Will you pray with me? Lord, as we come together and join our hearts in worship and, and prepare to hear your word, we pray that you illumine our minds and our hearts, that we may hear your spirit in these words that have been passed down to us from generation to generation in this faith that we share together. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. Hear now the word of the Lord. And so, brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk and not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. Even now, you're still not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving according to human inclinations? For when one of you says, I belong to Paul, and another says, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants, working together. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building on it. Each builder must choose with care how to build on it. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has been laid, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold or silver, precious stones or wood, hay and straw, the work of each builder will become visible, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, we come to you this morning and we pray that you give us wisdom, that your Holy Spirit flows through me, that these words are your words and not mine, and that we go from this place closer to you, living out the good news of your gospel in everything that we do and say. In Christ's name, amen. Now, Paul is an interesting character. Uh, We've been going through the Bible together. We've gotten all the way to Paul. And I was debating whether or not we should do the conversion story of Paul, and it's this dramatic moment, but I think a lot of people know this story, and so I was trying to think about which of Paul's letters do we sometimes overlook, and I'm looking at those, and I'm looking at, oh, well, what if we do something that's familiar but not familiar, and here we are in 1 Corinthians 3. Everyone knows that. Paul is credited with writing almost half of the New Testament usually in formats that come up like this one, that are letters to churches. 
Now, Paul had a couple of reasons to write these letters. Sometimes it was in response to questions that these churches were asking Paul. They were running into some some issues and some scenarios, and they were saying, Paul, what is your opinion on what we should do in X, Y, and Z scenario? But other times, and this is one of those moments as well, Paul was writing to these churches to correct problems he had heard about. Now, we're in 1 Corinthians 3 this morning, but in the first two chapters of this letter, Paul explicitly says that he's writing because he's heard about this really big problem in Corinth, and it's called division. So we'll step back. This is the letter to the Corinthians, the people of the city of Corinth. So if Paul was writing a letter to us, it could be the letter to the Swicklinians or something to that effect, whatever you want to call yourself. I've always thought it was weird when people say they're Pennsylvanians, so maybe we shouldn't go down this road. But you understand. It's a very particular letter to a very particular people. Now, the truth in this letter goes larger than just the people of Corinth, but we are reading other people's mail. That's an important part of this letter to recognize. The city of Corinth was a place that was immensely diverse, culturally, ethnically, and religiously. It was this place where people were coming and passing through from all kinds of backgrounds. It was primarily Gentile, which means non-Jewish. And what that means is that this church didn't have this long tradition of people that were already worshiping in the Jewish tradition, and now they've come to follow Jesus. The majority of the people, we presume, were Gentiles were people that were bringing with them backgrounds that were not of Judaism. So as a result, there were all of these deferring opinions. This is a a picture of the beautifully terrible, complex reality of the world, is that God has created all of humanity, all of our, our cultures and our ethnicities, and it's a great, beautiful thing, and it gets really complex really fast. Because when we all get together in one place, we start to disagree. That's the reality of what being a human being in community means. The Corinthian church was not any different. The church of 2022 is no different. And so as Paul is writing to these uh, Corinthians, there's an issue of division in the church. See, unity with all of these differences on the table seems impossible. And Paul says, even so, unity is what we're called to in Christ. And so as he answers and he addresses these questions, there's all this division, all these complaints, all this frustration. In fact, there were even people that didn't trust Paul's authority. The disciples, sometimes we think that 12 disciples were just best buds and they just like high-fived every time Jesus gave a lesson. The disciples were very vastly different. Some were tax collectors, some were zealots. They had different political ideologies, but they were united in Jesus. In fact, they had to let go of all those previous identifications in order to follow Jesus. And in the same way, Paul is kind of in his own category. Paul was persecuting Christians, putting them to death. You can understand why Christians were not a huge fan of this guy until one day he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. But understandably so, Christians were a little weary of his story. And yet Paul became this person who led and taught the church for all his life. 
It didn't matter where he started. It mattered where Jesus took him later. But that didn't absolve him of the disagreements and the divisions that he ran into in the church. Sometimes there's this sentiment in the modern church, if we could just be like the church of the Bible, we'd be so good. And that's true, except for when it's not. Because the church in Scripture is just as divided as the church we see today. They didn't get through one generation of Christians before there were divisions and disagreements and quarreling. Unity is a choice. It does not happen naturally. The natural flow of things is for us to divide ourselves and to bracket ourselves off from one another. It's easier, it's more comfortable, but it's not what we've been called to as followers of Jesus. It's just not. Paul is saying this to the Corinthians as much as he's saying it to the church of 2022. And so in the first two chapters of this letter, Paul is talking to these Corinthians, and he says some things that might be taken as insults, but I imagine Paul said, no, I'm just telling the truth. He says, listen, you're like infants in the faith. I can't even give you solid food. I have to feed you with milk because you're not ready for it. And you're still not ready for it. He says, because you're living of the flesh. We need to learn how to humble ourselves and recognize sometimes we are living of the flesh and we're not able to take on the solid food of the gospel. Sometimes even after decades of following Jesus, we still mess up the simplest commandments to love God and love neighbor. Sometimes we're not ready for solid food. But Paul goes on. He says, listen, you're living of the flesh. He says, for as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not living of the flesh? Apparently, those two things are indicators that we are not fully engrossed by the Spirit of God when there is jealousy in us and there is quarreling amongst us. Apparently, these are indicators that we are not fully trusting in the unifying Spirit of the Lord. We are instead relying on something else. That means we're not qualified for solid food yet. We need to get over the jealousy and the quarreling. But he goes on further than that. He says, look, the, the reason that I know there's jealousy and quarreling and that there's not unity is that you all are playing teams. Some of you say you're team Paul and some of you say you're team Apollos. You're, you're naming your preferences about which pastor you liked more or which lesson you liked more or which event you liked more. But that's not the gospel. Paul might have planted seeds and Apollos might have watered seeds, but they didn't do anything on their own. God gave the growth. Sometimes we get wrapped up so much in the things that we're doing, the, the things we're passionate about, that we believe it's the only thing that matters. But it's God who is working in us. It's the spirit that leads us forward. It's the spirit that empowers us. It's the spirit that is the life in us that enables us to breathe. The gospel, the good news of our faith is that even at our darkest and lowest moments, Jesus leads us forward. Jesus died and rose for us regardless of how we showed up in that moment. And so that means that every seed we plant and every seed we water, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. And every time we, we misconstrue the situation to think it's about us or our thing, and it's not about Jesus, we have gotten off the course. 
We've slipped away from solid food and we're going back to the milk. Paul says, no, 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 division will destroy you. The church is called to be unified. And so he goes on. He says, look, you're, you're living in the flesh. Unity is the choice. Unity is what will bring us, despite our differences, together. Remember, the differences are part of how we reflect the image of God. When God created the heavens and the earth and, and humankind in God's likeness, we as a community reflect God's image. If the world was filled with seven billion Mike Kramers, it would be a horrible place. If this church was filled with nothing but Mike Kramers, it'd be a horrible place. It's only when we're in community together, when we take the best of all of us, that we are able to fully reflect God's glory in worship. When we trick ourselves into thinking our way, our preference, our passion project, our whatever it might be is the only way, we have slipped into something else entirely that doesn't fit with the gospel. Christ Jesus is bigger than any one of us. That is why we come together in worship Sunday after Sunday, day after day, week after week to worship because it's bigger than us as individuals. Our faith draws us far beyond those things. Division is natural. We see it all around us in the world. Division is what we see in the sports world. There's div I mean, people make their living off of divisive comments. They just say things to get a reaction out of people. We see division in politics, obviously. We see division over which movies are worth seeing and which books aren't worth reading. And we see division in the church, globally. And not just globally, we see it here in our own country, and not just in our own country, in our denomination as Presbyterians, and not just as Presbyterians. We see division in this church in Swickley Presbyterian. Division will destroy us. Division keeps the gospel from moving forward because all of us are susceptible to sin. All of us are susceptible to falling short into jealousy and to quarreling and to taking sides and playing teams. And anytime we start to identify ourselves with something that's not Jesus in the things that we do and say, you can be sure we're starting to get off course. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in the first generation of Christians saying division is the opposite of what the church is supposed to be about. And here we are. In 2022, imagine how the gospel could move into so many different ways and places if the church triumphant globally moved together. Every week, we say the Apostles' Creed together, and we say this line right towards the end of it. It, it gets slipped in right after the Holy Spirit. We say we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. That means the universal church, the church that goes beyond the walls and the stained glass here, the church beyond Pennsylvania's borders, the, the church beyond who's all alive. It's the church triumphant, the church of all time, that God's mission and the good news of the gospel are bigger than any one iteration of the, the people of God. And until we take that seriously, we, we are limiting ourselves as God's people. Until we prioritize unity in that mission. Paul's language here is that the planters and the waterers have a common purpose. Our common purpose is to worship God and to spread the gospel. 
That's the common purpose. That's it. But we complicate it. Everything we do and everything we say should come back to the idea that we are here to worship God and to spread the good news. Some plant, some water, but God gives the growth. Now, at the end of this little passage, Paul switches his metaphors, as he often does, and he says, okay, you got the garden stuff? Cool. It's kind of like you're a building. It's like, okay, we're a building. I get it. We're a beautiful old building, hundreds of years here. He says, yeah, but you're a building, and the foundation has already been laid. The foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, Paul was saying he's laid, he's built upon that foundation a little bit, but there are others who will come to build after. Thousands of years later, here we are coming together on a Sunday morning or whatever day you're watching this service, and we are still building. We're still contributing. We're still listening to how the Spirit is leading us. And we come together for that because we believe that we can do far more for the kingdom of God as a unified body of Christ than we could ever do alone. But anytime we start to to treat something else as if it's the foundation, anytime we start to identify with something that's not Christ Jesus, we, we miss it. We find ourselves on the outside. We find ourselves disconnected from the community we've been called to be a part of. Division is the end of the church. And yet, as Paul writes to the people here, the call is for unity. Despite the divisions and the quarrels and the arguments that continue to arise in the church of Corinth, Paul says, that's okay. What do you have in common? Christ Jesus. If nothing else, you can debate on how you should dress coming through these doors. You can debate on the kind of music you listen to. You can debate on the kind of events we should put on. You can debate about how often we should come together. You can debate on whether or not we we wear shorts in the summer. You can debate about anything you want. Debate about which mission organizations we give to. Debate about anything. There's at least one thing we have in common if we claim Christ, and that is Christ Jesus. And so in everything we do, every meeting we attend, every worship service we go to and participate in, every email we're a part of, every committee that you might join or depart from, every event, every youth group, every mission trip, everything we do should be in the spirit of worshiping our God and spreading the gospel in unity. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church because he saw this problem brewing Despite the gospel seed he had planted, there was something else growing in there as well, and it was division. Division is going to kill the other things growing in the church. Until we can unify our efforts here and in this state and in this country and across denominations that the the gospel is the most central thing to what we do, we can't move forward. We'll continue to stumble We'll continue to leave the solid food and go back to milk. We'll continue to slip into immaturity in our faith. And so our calling is higher. 
our calling is beyond what feels natural, beyond what feels easy. Paul says earlier in Corinthians that the wisdom of God is foolishness to those who don't have the spirit. Sometimes the call to unity sounds preposterous. It sounds impossible. And we're called to it anyways. I don't have the blueprint. I don't have the answer. It's choosing unity that makes us the church. It's choosing to come together despite the differences. It's choosing to affirm all of the different gifts and talents and passions and backgrounds that you bring to the table to recognize that God is present with us despite those differences. It's then that we can move forward. And so in the words of St. Patrick's prayer, may Christ be in the heart of every person who thinks of you. May Christ be in the eyes of every person who sees you. May Christ be in the mouth of every person who's talking about you. And may Christ be in the ears of every person that hears you speak. May we be a unified church that lives out the gospel together. Amen.